Hi, welcome to How to Be a Human Leader Without Losing Your Job. In this podcast, we dive into professional leadership in today's fast-paced business environment. With our experience and insights, we'll help you lead with heart while securing your career. Join us for engaging conversations and practical advice to elevate your leadership skills and make a real difference. I'm your host, Roberto Torres, a system startup engineering leader, alongside Chris Ollerke, a Fortune 100 IT leader. Today, we will discuss how to create a culture of full engagement with the team. Hey, Chris. I'm doing good, Roberto. Good to see you. We're getting close to the end of the year, so I hope your holiday planning for your workplace and your home is going well. Yes, indeed. So I've been, I've been grinding two weeks' time on vacation at the end of the year. So awesome, man. Excellent. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Yes, sir. So uh, I think one of the big challenges that we have as humane leaders, regardless of the company, regardless of the, uh, the company culture, is to create us ourselves a culture of full, thorough engagement with the team. Uh, have you been in this situation before? Certainly, and and I think uh, my own personal experience is, is that uh, the engagement complexity goes up based on are more of the people remote. So first, you might have it all in one country, but some of the people are remote, so not everybody's in the same office. And then the complexity goes up even further if you start to include additional cultures, so people are either in your country, but they're from a different culture, or you're actually including people across time zones because they work in Germany, Japan, India, China, uh, et cetera. And so now you also have to include cultures. So I think having a really engaged team, uh, you have to take into account that there are just going to be some big personality differences that, you know, if you have, let's say, a large uh, American with a large booming voice uh, who's got maybe a more aggressive personality, it might be hard to get a shy person uh, fully engaged in the team because maybe they get interrupted a lot or maybe their uh, personality, you know, lets them, you know, keeps them a little more quiet while the large uh, noisy American keeps talking. Nice, yes. One thing that I have to uh, give parenthesis, parenthesis about this it, for another topic, for another episode is humane leaders who are introverted versus one who are extroverted. But <laughs> we'll talk about that for another yes. episode. Uh, I I totally agree with you. Getting a, uh, a culture of um, engagement with a, within a team who, who might be in different time zones, it is challenging, not only because the time zone, because in every different country, they might have different ideas. So you, you are not within the same uh, meeting room with this, with this person, so with this team. So they might, um, we might have some big challenges. I remember that last company, I had 16 engineers in six different countries, even though all of them talk, spoke, excuse me, 
Spanish. So at least we have uh, the same language. But the problem was that they, some of them thought, excuse me, some of them saw um, word differently. Some of them really require the money, you know, they were from the low income brackets. And some of them had, excuse me, had a lot of money. So they saw different. And even though they, they were paid and everything, they saw um, work differently. So what I did back then was to for, let them understand that even though our cultural differences, uh, even though our time zones, which were different, and many stuff, we were a team. So we had to see uh, each other, excuse me, we had to see uh, all of ourselves as one team who had one purpose, who had many objectives and many different uh, results, but we had one purpose. Since we were engineering, we had to deliver what our product was. So we had to have high quality. We had to be um, very agile and dynamic. And we had to have a focus on the product. If we had a pro uh, focus on the product, ourselves, we could gather easy and the ideas will flow uh, faster and hastily. Yeah, and in the engagement aspect of that, I find, you know, if you if you can define the goal and and then have the team focused on that, if you can engage them individually, you know, you're in the team meeting, let's say you're on Zoom or Skype or whatever methodology you use across the different different zones. The more you can put on the screen and show them about the the engineering challenge you might be having, you know, there's there some database performance things that are not working correctly and you're trying to collaborate with the team, you know, well, some of you who might all be in the same room might be projecting it on the screen in a conference room so that you can all see it. Well, make sure that that's visible on the screen for your remote people. If they're working at home and they're on their small laptop screen, it might be very hard for them to see it. So are you doing some of the mechanical things for good collaboration, like zooming up the screen? You might be able to see it well in your conference room because you're projecting it on a six foot screen. The poor guy who's in some other time zone, he's looking at a, a small, you know, little laptop screen. He can't see it as well as the others. So are you providing things to your team, larger screens for working at home so that they can see it as well? Or are you the presenter doing some of the mechanical things like zooming a part of the screen to make sure that your remote participants can truly engage? You know, there are things that a moderator, you may not be the boss of the meeting, right? But as the moderator of the meeting that you're trying to get the team to collaborate on, the moderator has duties to make it fair for everybody. And fairness can be everybody's on mute until somebody is speaking and you unmute so that one person only talks at a time. It could be that you're controlling the screen and you know expanding things so that those that are on small laptop screens can see it appropriately. Um, and, and one of the things that I found in doing that very mechanical thing is that 
if I'm presenting to the team and I am the humane leader, I may call upon someone who's physically in the room with me to actually do the hosting or the moderating of the meeting itself so that I don't get distracted with just the mechanical aspects of running Skype or Teams or Zoom. And, and this other participant in the meeting then can handle maybe zooming in a, a certain aspect of the screen so that all remote participants can see it. Um, that moderator also will tell the noisy loud American to pause and make sure that the remote participants have an opportunity to chime in. One of the things that I did a lot, again, a very mechanical step, is just pause and ask the remote participants, do you have something to add? Anybody have any insights? Make sure that you're giving them the opportunity to be fully engaged. Because the worst thing you can do is if you have, let's say, four or five, six people that are in a conference room, you've got it up on the screen, and you got five or six people that are remote, the people in the room can make eye contact and pause each other and they can see that and and you know they have that opportunity to interject and get into the conversation but those remote people have a hard time maybe their their speaker or microphone doesn't cut in so that you don't hear them trying to interject with information so you have to physically control or moderate the meeting to allow people to interject and get engaged in the conversation and so that's a unique skill that it ought to be part of humane leadership. But what it's really technically is really good remote meeting collaboration and moderation, meaning managing the meeting, the Zoom meeting, the, the Skype meeting, so that everyone can participate evenly, even though their environment is not equally fair. Because people who are physically in the room with all the other people are always going to have a physical advantage in the conversation, in the debate, because they're physically there. So you have to go out of your way as a moderator and a humane leader to fully engage those people. Do you have to call on them? Depending on the culture, that may or may not be appropriate to call someone out and say, hey, Roberto, do you got any insight on this? Maybe that's not culturally correct in certain countries. If, if they don't have something to say, you would not wish to call on them. But pausing the whole meeting so that those who are physically in the room have to shut up and be quiet, let's let our remote participants give us some input. Nice, interesting. I think with a moderator, I've only been in a big conference, not, not internal. Uh, meetings, but I think something to to test. One thing that I think it's really, really, really important in a in a culture of full engagement with the team is to have the camera on. Let me tell you why. Yesterday, <coughs> for example, yesterday a new engineer arrived to the team, and he is in another city. And when we begin talking, I said, "Please turn on the camera." And this guy, when I saw, he turned on the camera, but he was all blurry. And he began scratching the camera because he was so dusty. The thing is, because he he hadn't used that camera, nobody asked him. But I think it's really important because one thing is, hey, maybe you can no, you cannot be in your PJs, but having the camera on will do some engagement 
for the team because you don't know what's going on if the camera is off. They might meet, they might be doing something that they shouldn't, or they might be distracted. At least you have the respect of someone talking, you know, as we are right now and people can see it on YouTube. The thing is really important. This for me is something really important because when I do usually the one-on-ones, uh, people are remote, I require them to be to have their camera on. So you can see it's funny because when they turn their camera on, they begin, you know, combing their hair, uh, doing this with their, with their face, but it, it is really important. So you can see that they are looking at you and it's vice versa. So it's really, really important. And that's one thing. And the second thing that I think it's uh, it is a good engagement tool to have. It is listening. We have spoken before that communication is an essential tool, but listening as well. For instance, let me let me tell you. Uh, when I spoke with someone, I begin typing uh, what we what we're talking about, not all the words about the essential words. So uh, when when we are uh, creating an, uh, an engagement uh, culture, I think that it's not part of the minute, but it is how do we uh, set up all the information that, that it is being taught. So I think it's really, really important for us human leaders to listen and to have all this data, because you can either remember or you can have it in a, maybe in a notebook or in an electronic file. So you could read them before the next meeting, either one-on-one -on -one or with a team, and you could know about it, and you could avoid repeating everything. Without without a doubt. And a, and a key final step to that at the end of uh, every meeting is that the action items for who's going to do what with what resources by what deadline and what the deliverable is right so i always hated any meetings or collaboration sessions or whatever you want to say where there were no minutes published meaning somebody may be taking minutes but they didn't get sent around so now you don't know if you agreed with what was documented or not so you need to share them with the team but it also needs to, before the team, you know, meeting is over, is to say, who's going to do what? Roberto, you're going to um, complete the documentation for us to review by next Wednesday. So in our Wednesday morning meeting at 9 a.m., we will all as a team give our feedback on that documentation for the Thursday discussion. So when, you know, Wednesday morning, you will bring that documentation to the team meeting, you know, on Zoom and we'll discuss it. You know, that, you know, those clear, when is it due? What are we going to do with it? And when needs to be published in the minutes? Because otherwise, Roberto says, hey, it's Wednesday morning. What? I didn't know I was supposed to do the documentation by then. I thought I had another two weeks. You know, you don't want to get into that kind of disagreement on what what did you hear i heard something different yeah you know, no no please go ahead oh i was just going to say collaboration means clarity of the communication right so you mentioned communication and in my experience with that team collaboration on zoom 
everybody thinks somebody else is documenting things, if nobody, that means nobody is. And then you don't have those action items documented. So somebody needs to be assigned, you know, to have those minutes documented and then sending them out before the end of the meeting. Because if you want to di you know, disagree on the deadline or the due date or whatever, it's to do it on this call right away before we hang up, not two hours later. Nice. Let me tell you that when you were, when you were speaking about the minutes, uh, I began uh, remembering about some of the status that I've been in. Half of them, I think they were against minutes. Why? Not because they were an excellent tool, but because they are the tools for well-established companies. And we are startups, we are dynamic ones. I think that is a big mistake. You have to have a proper document that will be sent to all the people who were at that meeting and maybe some managers as well to see what are the actionables, as you mentioned, of who has to do that, when it has to be delivered, and if it has some liaison between other uh, areas, departments, or people. So I think it's really, really important. The thing about this in, in startup, let me tell you, is that even though we are being disruptive, we have to be <coughs> aware, excuse me, of the tools that are uh, proven with, uh, within many generations. So minutes is really important. You don't want to have that name because it's old. Okay, change it. Change it to actionable list. But in the end, it has to be because with that, it is a cool, not, not, not cool, it is a good tool for a, an engagement culture. Yeah, exactly. Because you're, you know, the engage part of engagement is assignment, is responsibility to get things done. So engagement isn't necessarily just engagement in our Zoom call. You know, there are things that we do to try and make sure people are engaged in the Zoom call. But in a more broad sense, engagement for the whole team is around, you know, getting to that targeted purpose. We are going to complete the documentation. We are going to have the prototype ready by this date. Well, having that engagement makes sure that everybody understands their assignment, understands what everybody else's assignment is so that they also can do some kind of management. They can be humane leaders, even though they're not the team leader, when everyone in the discussion knows that Roberto's going to do the documentation. Chris is going to write the communication, you know, the training material to teach the users. Person X is going to improve the database performance 25% as each person knows those responsibilities of the others, they can do a little bit of the humane leadership and holding them accountable. If by yeah. publishing those, those deadlines, everybody knows. And if Chris doesn't get the class training materials together on the date that was agreed to, because we saw it in the, in the meeting minutes, maybe in startups, it could be less formal minutes, you know, less structure to how they're done, but still something you can read and, a touch from the past, then you, Roberto, the boss, doesn't have to hold Chris as accountable because everybody on the team is going to know that Chris is accountable for that training material. 
And so there's kind of some peer pressure helping you be a, a humane leader, not just Roberto having to be a boss humane leader. Um, the team can also help. So sometimes those meeting minutes can really help the humane leader um, do things fairly because the whole team can weigh in on who's doing what and they'll know who is maybe not working as hard as they, they should be. Yeah, indeed. And one thing is <coughs> that, excuse me, that even though we engineering, we have uh, our strong boards, you know, of every of every spring that we are in and what we have to do, we have our, also our engineering boards. So in this minute, there might be uh, some ideas, some work that doesn't have to doesn't have to be done in this sprints that to be maybe later on. So I think that someone to do what uh, this, let's say for example, okay, someone is uh, creating the minute, it sends, it has all these action rules for all these different people, but maybe there, there to be a section of ideas. Maybe we had to create, I don't know, uh, blend AI generative into our products, uh, into our e-commerce products. I don't know, something like that. So someone to grab all those ideas and put on, on cards into the engineering board. So this to be taught at a future with either the product owner or with the engineering team, but in the end, those ideas won't die, won't be left over in a forgotten place. It will be somewhere. So when you, usually when I talk with my engineering team, I usually go to this board and say, hey, remember that we spoke of this before? When do you think we could begin in, uh, begin working on this car, what do you think? And those, some of those ideas are pretty good that uh, are um, timely, you know, that they could be implemented as sometimes and sometimes won't, but um, there are pretty good uh, um, ideas to work. And one thing is, all the ideas have or all uh, to be uh, are pretty good stuff given by people. So when we listen and when we care to grab that idea and put it on onto a board or or someone that we could see in the future, it's like giving respect to the to that people to that person who provided the idea. Exactly. And as the humane leader, you need to be watching. Did, did some of that come from, let's say, the shy person in the team or the newest person in the team? By making sure it makes <clears throat> that idea board, that documentation where you're holding, hey, we can't do that right now because it's not in these the next couple of sprints that we have planned. But let's put it in that parking lot where the new person or the shy person can see that you respect their suggestion. It's worthy of consideration, but we just can't deal with it right now. And because if you just shut them off with, hey, that's interesting, but we can't do that right now, and you just ignore it, and it's not documented, that shy person will get even more shy 
because their ideas, they may feel their ideas were not considered enough. Not every idea that someone comes up with will be good. That's not what I mean. Yeah. But you have to respect it enough to say, look, we're going to hold that and we'll come back to it. You know, hey, Roberto, that was a, a good suggestion. It doesn't align with what we're working on right now, but I think we need to come back to that and discuss it further. So let's put it here so you can see, Roberto, that I respect your input. I want to encourage it because you're so shy. You never say anything on these calls. So I'm going to have it here. I wouldn't say that sentence, but I'm just teasing you a little bit. End of the year, you know, teasing here. Um, you know, so again, you seek out these kinds of engagements, drawing people in. You probably will have to spend a little more time encouraging that shy person. The loud, obnoxious American dude's always going to interrupt and throw in new ideas. You're never going to shut them up. Your bigger challenge is probably how to reduce the noisy American's engagement and draw in the shy cultural person who who doesn't say much during the meetings, right? And to do that is to show respect for those ideas, even when they're not going to fit in the next couple of sprints, but show that you listen, show you that you document it, and, uh, and hopefully eventually circle back to it, because hopefully it's a good idea. Right, yeah. And uh, <coughs> talk to um Big talk and screaming people is not only related to American people. It's <laughs> everybody begin shouting and everything. Right? Yeah. Okay. Before we uh, before we do the wrap up, Chris, do you have something to add to someone who is creating, who has a team, and tries to create an engagement? Uh, culture within the team. Are there any pointers that you can share? Well, one one of the things that I um, try not to do, right, is to make sure that you don't embarrass someone by calling upon them in the in the meeting. So I I have actually made that mistake um, where you know I I thought that this person had some some good ideas and when I called upon them they stumbled they weren't prepared and they felt bad getting called out on the meeting I didn't do it intentionally I thought they had had some ideas they were trying to express because they were trying to like catch my attention I misinterpreted it and so you do need to be you know cognizant of maybe opening the door for people to make suggestions or, or interrupt don't necessarily call on somebody until you've got really good relationships with all the team members so you know their personalities and they won't feel picked on i guess would be the way i'd say it because sometimes in these virtual meetings it's harder to understand people's feelings their their characteristics how they act on things so I, I do um, try to open the floor to everybody to have an opportunity to speak, but I generally won't call somebody out so that if their culture or their personality is a little more shy, they don't feel like they're in the spotlight that they didn't want to be in. Nice, nice, nice. <clears throat> That's a good one. Well, for me, another pointer will be to understand 
each member of, of the team. And what I mean by understand is using your words, someone are shy and the other ones are outspoken. The thing is, let me tell you, for example, I am a shy guy, you know, I, I, I never talk. Well, not, not never talk. When I talk, it's something that has to be said. It has to be heard. But what I meant by knowing is, is this guy introverted? Is this lady uh, extroverted? Uh, what are their um, strengths? Uh, what uh, are the weaknesses? And, you know, doing a rapid letter of them, of, uh, all these people and to understand where they could fit better. What are all those trends? What could be used to make this team better and to be in constant communication to them? That's why in the one on ones that I do, I split it in two. Uh, I, uh, the last, the, um, the latter, it will be the ones related to work. You know, to performance and performance, it will be the ones related to personal stuff, personal traits. So that way I can understand better because you cannot in one meeting, in one 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 to understand that. So I think that's a really good point for a human leader to know the team because with that, that team will know you, which is also really important. Absolutely. Completely agree. Thank you. Well, great. Uh, with that, okay, we'll do the wrap. Okay. Uh, thanks for joining us on another episode of How to Be a Humane Leader with a Losing Your Job. We hope our insight help you become a smarter and more strategic leader. Apply today lessons to see the positive impact on your team and career. Catch all our episodes of the most heard streaming apps and YouTube. Join us next week as we discuss something trendy in the leadership world. Until then, stay humane and stay successful. Bye-bye, Chris. See you later, Roberto.